You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello, hello. Will Gibson. Hey, how's it going? And special guest, Justin Melillo. Howdy. Hey, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Well, let's get to know you, Justin Melillo. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, we, we see you uh, writing about uh, iRacing a lot, and we're going to talk about that. But first, we want to hear about when did you first hear the word iRacing, and what did you do about it? Well, I've been sim racing for pretty much my entire life, um, which is 29 and a half years at this point. Uh, I started out... Uh, back on the old Papyrus games, NASCAR Racing, NASCAR Racing 2, all that. And when iRacing was announced, uh, I, you know, wanted to get involved with it right away. So I've actually been on the iRacing uh, service since 2009 when, you know, I was finally able to pay for an account. And uh, I've been on and off with iRacing. Um, but, you know, I've it's just it's incredible where it, it started and where it's come to at this point yeah i see on your uh, profile 10 year badge and so you've been around since uh, the early days obviously um looking at your uh, official racing stats 8.7 percent is your winning overall percentage in oval not too bad that's a pretty good number uh well i mean if if i raced more it'd probably be lower honestly right um uh, a majority of my starts came back when I was in college and I was able to uh, race more freely and I, I didn't have a job or at this point four jobs. So, um, yeah, uh, it, it's definitely, um, you know, it, it's my 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 iRacing career isn't really um, nothing to, to, to look at, um, but it, it's definitely a fun hobby and, and fun to do. Okay. Now, I saw one social media post where you had a steering wheel in your trunk of your car and you were like in a race uh, remotely. So what do you use for hardware when you do race? Uh, I've been a Logitech user pretty much my entire uh, sim racing career. I I started out with a Logitech Momo uh, well back in the day and and graduated to a G25. Now I'm using a G20... Uh, I'm switching on and off between a G27 and a G29. Uh, I, I've got a uh, an Abutto, uh seat that I use, and I've also got a Samsung 49-inch curved monitor that I like to use. And, and and I keep a wheel in my trunk just in case because you never know when, when a race will break out. Well, absolutely. That's awesome. And that monitor, uh, man, I'm kind of envious. That's a 49-inch Samsung. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I ended up getting that... Um, I made a weather-related bet at Dover uh, earlier last season, and unfortunately, I lost the bet. But I also won the bet and ended up making that purchase uh, that weekend. So, it's uh, it was definitely uh, a good investment, and it's it's very awesome. I, I do enjoy that monitor. I used to have triples before, um, but um, the bezels always kind of messed me. I can never align them properly. Now I've just got one monitor, and and it works for me. All right, very good. 
So let's talk uh, real life. What do you do uh, for a job? I, I know I, I see you writing for the racingexperts.com, I believe it is. And and uh, you're obviously following uh, the series formerly known as the Peak Series. You're writing a lot of material about them. And we actually get a lot of uh, the information we talk about about that series directly from what you're writing. So we do appreciate that. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to bring you in to let you talk about that a bit. So uh, tell us what you're doing there. So yeah, I've been writing for the Racing Experts since 2014. Uh, my editor in chief is Dominic Adagon, and um, you know we actually met through sim racing. We were we were racing in a series um, back in in 2010, 2011 together, and and we made a friendship there. And he started up the Racing Experts around the same time, and I was going to school for print journalism. I ended up graduating, of course, uh, and and. You know, I was I was kind of like not sure where I wanted to go with with my writing, but I talked to Dominic in I want to say 2013, and uh, we hit it off on on bringing me in to the fold, and I started writing for the Racing Experts, like I said in 2014. I've been a credentialed member of the NASCAR media uh, it, since 2015. They they gave me a hard card last year, which was uh, pretty incredible. And uh, I'll be I'll be wearing that again this year. Um, trying to go to as many races as I can. Um, in in real life, I I think I went to twelve races last year, which was which was the most I'd ever done. And and I do that around working um, two full time jobs normally, um, which one of them I'm at currently on on break talking to you guys. So um, you know I got a lot of busy uh, I got a busy lifestyle. Uh, going on, but I, I love doing what I do. I love uh, writing, and I love uh, being able to cover the sport that I love, which is uh, which is NASCAR. Now, when you go to the tracks like that, uh, are you writing about NASCAR, or what's the angle there? Are you going as a journalism, uh, a journalist, or going as a fan? No, I'm I'm going as as a journalist. I'm I'm in the media center uh, every weekend that I go. I've been like I said, I've been going to the tracks and. 2015 for for TRE, so uh, I get all credentialed up. I, I get all dressed up, and and I get to go and and participate in the media activities at at the racetracks. I've been to Daytona a couple times, Talladega, um, Homestead finales a couple of times, uh, Bristol, and then my home tracks like Pocono. I go every year, and and Dover, and and New Hampshire. And and it it really is a a neat experience getting to go to to these racetracks. I, I before I started writing for the racing experts, I'd go as a fan, and it, it's a completely different experience. Um, you know, switching switching sides there and 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 being a member of the media, um, because it's it's a lot more more formal. Um, you can't go there. You can't go drinking. You can't go partying. It's you get to watch other people have that fun. You get to watch them experience. Uh, what's going on, um, and and watch them celebrate and and the jubilations of of victory for for the drivers that win. It's it's really cool to be on 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 the media side, and it, it's for me. I I just I I want to be at the racetrack every weekend, whether I'm riding or 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 whatever. And and this is a way for me to both um, be at the racetrack and and do something that I enjoy doing. Absolutely, and to hang out with uh, Jenna Fryer and Bob Pockrass and Jeff Gluck and all those uh, media uh, people, uh, I bet it's a blast. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely um, 
it's it's a little intimidating being in in the same room as as some of uh, my my journalism heroes like that. And you know, I've I've gotten to have uh, a couple conversations with with Bob at at the track, which is which is pretty cool. Um, um, I, I wouldn't say I I, def I definitely wouldn't say I hang out with them or anything like that, just because um, you know they they've got their own thing that they've got to do and and whatnot. I I tend to hang out more with with the journalists that are in my age bracket um you know guys that are also writing for tre guys that are writing for frontstretch.com or or uh you know uh, around that age group i i know kicking the tires uh jerry jordan very well uh which is which is pretty cool and and whatnot so it's it's definitely it, it is cool to be in in the same um you know grouping as as all those journalists that you mentioned and and you know i hope to one day be you know i i wouldn't say on their level but you know a respected member of the media at one point in my career well it's good to see you younger guys out there because uh the media is really uh the media pool there has really taken a hit over the last few years and dwindled down to literally almost nothing and so it's good to see uh tre investing and getting you guys out there so that's great um let's shift gears a little bit and talk about uh iRacing, uh, the Peak Series, of there's a series formerly known as Peak, uh, the 4D drivers. Uh, they brought him into Charlotte to the ha NASCAR Hall of Fame. You were there to report on it, uh, get some interviews and stuff. Uh, boy, that's uh, something. Um, what, do you, what do you think about uh, what NASCAR is doing with the Peak Series? Uh, are they going in the right direction? Uh, what do you think? It was an absolutely incredible experience at in Charlotte um, during the media days that they had there. I was I was so lucky to to get the invite to be able to go and um, just watching. Uh, I, I think it was thirty eight of the forty had were able to make the trip uh, of the of the roster for this year's um, formerly known as Peak Series. I think right now they're they're kind of calling it the iRacing World Championship Series, and until they possibly might announce uh, a series sponsor i don't really know the full details on that and i really can't comment on it but um it was it was really neat getting to to watch these these guys who have all competed against each other for years go out and finally put a name uh to a voice or a face to a voice and and i i just it was watching them all interact with one another and and nobody really having a bad time everybody had a smile on their face and and they got to go and, and do a lot of what the actual NASCAR Cup Series drivers would do during their media tour. They, they went and they got headshots. They got to have sit-down interviews with, with people like myself and, um, and Chris Leone and then some other people from NASCAR Productions also. Uh, they went and they got some um, media training. They got some, uh, I believe they ended up having a, uh, a competition uh, meeting with the, the director of the series. So... It was it was an incredible two days to to witness and and see them take part in and I, I really think that it was long overdue for this series because it's going into its eleventh season and and just seeing the pickup from where it was back in two thousand ten when it first started to where it went to last year with the teams coming in uh, it it is really cool to see and I hope they do continue it yeah and I think the big growth recently is NBC and obviously they're taking headshots like you said they're taking uh, intro and outro videos to go in and out of commercials of, of these drivers faces and stuff 
uh, it's pretty obvious that NIMBY is gearing up to broadcast at least one, or if not all, of these races. Uh, do you? Uh, one of our listener questions on social media, John Kenny, he asked, do you think or know if any of the TV broadcasts of the regular season races will happen this year? I do think that there will be some TV broadcasts this year. I don't think it will be the entire season. Um, they, they did pass around a schedule to the drivers during the, um, during the media days um, that was kind of kept on the down low and kind of hidden from, um, from the media, like people like me. And um, I did happen to catch a glimpse of it. And I do think that they are gearing up to have um, maybe a couple of races that are going to be broadcasted on NBC. Uh, I'm not sure the details on that, and I can't wait until the, the announcement comes out for it. Um, but um, from what I did see, it did look like it was going to be a pretty incredible schedule and that they definitely were going to be ramping up their coverage this year for sure. That's awesome because it went so well this last year in 2019 with what NBC did with, uh, you know, all the people involved like Steve Letarte, you know, helping call the races at, at the end there. And it just was really gelling, you know, and uh and so, uh, very good. Uh, let's keep going. Mason Stiver, another listener, asked, what title does iRacing want us to call the former series? Well, I guess you, you said that already. Yeah, the, right now, um, I've been calling it the eNASCAR iRacing World Championship Series, and that's what I've seen a lot of the um, members in, in iRacing calling it as well. Um, so, for right now, that's that's what it is. Um, the peak unfortunately didn't uh, re-up for the 2020 season, but they are, um, I, I believe they are going to have a, a new sponsor step into that area. Um, they just haven't announced it yet. Yeah, I think the, even if there wasn't a sponsor, it seems like to me that NASCAR is committed. You know what I mean? And uh, like, the, like you said, to bring them to the Hall of Fame, to have the competition meeting, uh, to get the 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 media that they need the the bits for the videos and the different social media things that they need uh, they're all in aren't they it does seem that way um, and and it was really cool because they they did something similar for the uh, NASCAR heat drivers last year so I guess more or less the the heat uh, media days that they had kind of ramped up to what we got for the i racing guys where for heat they ended up bringing I, I think there were a total of 28 drivers and they were able to bring them out uh and do a, a similar thing and now with iRacing they brought out 38 of the 40 drivers and 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 brought them through the ringer through the uh through the media training and and all that stuff so uh yeah i definitely do see a, a huge commitment here from from nascar nascar productions from uh, NBC from iRacing, uh, everybody's all in on this. The teams are all in. The watching these guys sign contracts, like um, I, I watched Chris Overland and, and Garrett Lowe sign their contracts with the Wood Brothers, and and that was really cool to see them signing an actual contract with an actual NASCAR team that was investing in their future in the eNASCAR world, and and that's all across the board with all forty of these drivers. Now, I, I, I don't want you to tell me anything specific, but just to, just to answer or ask a question, um, is it a, a situation where Wood Brothers is paying them some kind of fee to be on the team in addition to the prize money that iRacing puts up? iRacing is putting up a prize money, yes. Uh, I believe the, the total amount of money this year was $100,000. And there's also 
uh, a team salary, from what I understand, that each of the drivers had to agree to. It, it was an agreement between the drivers and the teams. They both had to come to an agreement. It wasn't like, you know, Set team A was going to go to driver right. A. Yeah, it wasn't like this is what you're getting. And, and it, I, I felt like every, every driver that was there, I, I asked them, uh, every single driver that I talked to, I talked to about 30 of the, the 38 drivers that were there, and I asked them how they came to their agreement with their team. And, and you know, they all went into different details and whatnot. Nobody went into specific details on, on their contract or anything like that. But they said, you know, I just wanted to race for this team or, you know, they, they really treated me right last year and that's why i resigned with them or i was looking towards this team and i really wanted to I, there's no in this series there's no bad driver and there's no bad team to be on and and that's the incredible thing is that all 40 drivers are all the 40 best drivers that are out there right. so you've got 20 really competitive teams out there that it's going to be incredible to watch and see how it plays out this year. yeah and the people that are left for the remaining free agency spots uh, there are some great drivers left. Uh, so like you said, everybody is great. Uh, let's backpedal. Uh, let's talk road to pro. Uh, I, I'm sure you followed that. Uh, who should have made it that didn't? I, you know, Cody Bias kind of comes to name. But what do you think? Uh, how did that series go? Did we end up with the right top 20? Uh, I mean, that's it's tough to say because each driver is deserving in, in themselves. I, I look at Cody Bias. I look at... Uh, Nicholas Shelton. I look at Brian Blackford. Um, I look at Casey Tucker. Those are those are four names that that stand out to me. That just um, they they've been there and then they weren't. And that's not any anything negative on on those drivers or any of the other twenty drivers that weren't able to make it in through the Pro Series. Uh, it was just a really competitive field this year. And it, it you know if it wasn't one thing, it was another thing. There was a lot of I'd say at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of nerve nervousness maybe between the drivers and, and racing around one another because you did see the incidents kind of spike up there in, in like the second, third, fourth races of the season. But once they finally calmed down and started racing each other and finally started learning how each other raced around each other, it, you started seeing a lot of, of great action going on in, in the pro series and um you know unfortunately for some their luck may maybe wasn't as great as another's was so i i do think we have the 40 best drivers that are out there i think that you could replace them with another and you'd still have the 40 best drivers it's just the the nature of the series that this is this is what it is and you know you you got to feel for the drivers that didn't make it in but they're going to go to the road to pro um this year and they're going to the, the, the cream always rises to the top, and I'm sure they'll be back in the Pro Series and fighting for the top 20 spot again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was very entertaining to watch. I'm glad that Podium decided to cover that uh, because it was fun. We enjoyed watching it. Uh, so let's talk, uh, let's switch over to weekly, this week's news. And we literally talk about all kinds of stuff about the, this series, the eNASCAR series, uh, every week. Uh, let's start off with a, a story you reported, Justin, about Ray Alfala. Uh, tell us what he decided. So Ray Alfala, last season drafted number one by the Wood Brothers. Uh, this season he's moving over. He's going to be driving for the new virtual racing school team. Um, so there's there's going to be five new teams entering the series this year in virtual racing school, which Ray 
you know, drives for already. He was sponsored by them for many races last season and through the Pro Series. Um, he, he's a, an ambassador of their their company already. So it, it was it was like a no-brainer that he was going to be moving over to VRS. Uh, the other driver hasn't been announced yet for that team, but um, to see the, the champion move it over, the four-time champion move it over to the, to the virtual racing school was uh, really no surprise there. Yeah, but the timing, it was a little, uh, I wasn't surprised, I was kind of surprised it didn't, wasn't announced sooner, but, uh, and he's going to keep his, uh, the number two, or go back to his number two car, uh, which uh, he was famous for. Right, the, all four of his championship he won um, driving the number two car, so um, it, it just, with a lot of these announcements, there's a lot of back-end stuff that's going on. All 40 drivers have a, have a team. There, there's there's truly nobody out there that doesn't know what they're already doing for next season. It just hasn't been announced yet. Right. Um, I don't know the specifics on why they they have been waiting or, or what's going on with any of that. Like, I, I just know what I know. And and Ray making his announcement last week was that that was the right time for him. Um, I'm sure there was some back-end stuff that they had to take care of. Um, I know uh, a his his car uh, paint scheme uh, is you know hasn't been officially announced yet, but I know it exists out there, so maybe that might have been a part of it. So, um, you know the the timing on a lot of this stuff is is a little wacky. I I was kind of expecting it all to be out before the um, before the media days, but you know it, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, we were thinking the timing is kind of getting late in the day, late in the tooth here as we approach the Daytona 500. Uh, next up was a, a post from Lockdown Racing. Now, this uh, we got to switch gears. Lockdown is an internal team, not one of the external teams, as I call it. Uh, but they are uh, have announced they added Corey Vincent and his spotter Dalton Malam for the 2020 eNASCAR uh, series, uh, and they're going to be running over there with Zach Novak. Yeah, that that's another. It, it's like another no-brainer type of of ad there. Um, Corey and Zach have worked together uh, before in the past, and um, you, you could just see this coming. Uh, a lot of these drivers do a lot of the back end stuff with with lockdown, with slip angle, dead zone, all that all that type of stuff. Um, so just drivers aligning with teams, making sure that they have their their proper alliances set before the season starts for setup making and sharing and information sharing and whatnot. I mean, there, there's going to be a team championship this year and Corey Vincent and Zach Novak are, they're not teammates in, you know, the, the sense of Zach is driving for, um, for Richmond, uh, raceway and Corey is still yet to be announced. Um, but all signs are pointing to him being at the renegades because of, you know, social media and whatnot. But, um, you know they're not going to be competing with each other to win the team championship, but they can still work together to help each other do better in these races by setup help and information sharing and whatnot. So um, again, it was it was just another one of those things that you you half expected it was going to happen, and um, I'm glad to see Corey and and you know lockdown getting together and and making things official. Yeah, and the most I I think one of the biggest dominoes to fall, as you mentioned, was Zach Novak moving over to Richmond uh, from Roush. And so everyone was thinking, boy, that's a bad hit for Roush. But Roush, Roush announced their squad, Nathan Lyon and Colin uh, Keister. Uh, pretty good lineup there. 
Definitely. And and like I said before, there really is no bad lineup that's out there. Nathan is, he was kind of a standout in the pro series um, when he had to go back to it, but um, he's always shown speed and, and going back to it, I, um, I think that he's going to be a really good um, fill for that number six car. If, if he can get the, um, just the luck to be on his side, it, it in the pro series, you, you saw him up front a lot. And then something would happen. And it took him into that last race of the season at Homestead to finally break through and, and find victory lane in, again in the Pro Series. Uh, Colin Keister, I I've known that dude for years. He he's actually raced at my home league at, at FTF Racing, um, and he's he's always been fast. He's always been. Um, I, I I joke around with him. I'd like to call him a dart without feathers because he is so fast. But um, he goes out there and and he always puts on a show. And uh, it'll be exciting to see the both of them representing Rush Fenway this season to see what they can do. Um, Colin, he you know he he had a, a pretty good pro series. He's he's truly one of the um, like purest rookies that's out there because this was the first time he ran in the road the pro. This is the first time he ran in the pro series, and he he makes the the um the world championship series on his first try. So, uh, really exciting to see him uh step up to the big leagues as well. Yeah, and some good sponsorship opportunities I'm sure because uh, Castrol uh, just signed with uh, Ryan Newman over there at Roush. And so maybe some of that uh, sponsorship will rub down to these guys. Uh, nice to see that. Next announcement, Kyle Larson, the busiest guy on the planet in the offseason with his bloody eye and uh, winning the Chili Bowl and uh, going to New Zealand and all that. He made his announcement of his team, Steve Sheehan and Bob Bryant, a couple old this guys. Was, yeah, this this is the announcement I was waiting for like this whole entire offseason. Um, Steven and, and Bob were just an absolute delight to talk to during the media days um, and the history that they bring with them uh, to the 2020 season is just going to be an absolute incredible uh, addition. Um, you, you talk about guys who have been around forever. These two have been around forever. Uh, the joke though, is that Bob's going to be a rookie this season because he's never raced in the iRacing world championship series, but, um, but, before iRacing even existed, these two were tearing up the track um, over in the DMP League and racing with Dale Jr. and winning championships over there. So um, I'm I'm really excited to see what they can do because um, you you kind of get that sense of old school versus new school, and and these guys are kind of leading the charge for the old school um, brigade. You know, with with guys like Ray Alfala and guys like Brad Davies and. And Nick Ottinger, the 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 old guard kind of seeing how they stack up against the new guard guys like Zach Novak and and Keegan Leahy and and those guys. So um, I I am very excited to see how they're going to perform this year. I I think they they fit very well with Kyle Larson. Um, I I was listening um, to uh, another one of their interviews that they had done, and and it just it feels like they're they're right at home with with Kyle Larson racing esports. Yeah, perfect uh, combo, I think, uh, to go with Kyle. I think I, I like it. I'm an old guy, so I'm pushing for these guys. Uh, they're going to be my sentimental f favorites for sure. Uh, and Bob but Bryant ran great during the Pro Series. He didn't even have to race in the last race to make it in. Um, he, he took off at Homestead, and I think he had prior commitments or something like that, but he was already locked in a week prior. Um, so, yeah, he, he definitely had uh, a really good Pro Series out there, and 
Uh, it'll be, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm really excited to see what both of these guys can do because I, I really think that they could be contenders week in and week out. Now, we started streaming our podcast recording for the first time to YouTube, Facebook. Uh, See, so we have a listener question um, on the live feed. Christopher Overland, I think we know who he, he asked, who's the biggest sleeper team in the E-N-I-W-C-S? Yeah, I mean... You look at a bunch of these teams, um, I, I feel like the biggest sleeper team maybe hasn't even been announced yet, um, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's a lot of a lot of uh, good teams that are out there. I mean, there is. Uh, I, I know he wants me to say Wood Brothers, but I don't feel like they're a sleeper team because, I mean, he's been up there in, in the points plenty of times. And, yeah, we expect uh, them to be there, right? That's exactly it. I mean, Garrett almost made the the championship for last season, so I, I really can't consider that to be sleeper in, in any sense of the word. Um, and and I'll just I'll keep repeating myself here, where I, I think that every single team that's out there, every all twenty teams, there any single one of them could win the team championship this year. Any single one of them could produce a driver champion this year. That's how stacked this field is. Yeah, and that's why it's so fun to watch, especially with this new NASCAR package where they all stack up anyway. Anyway, uh, next one was G2 Esports. They announced Alex McCollum and Jarl Tien. Yeah, so uh, Jarl's back this um He was opposite Keegan uh, Leahy last year, and um, Keegan, of course, he's moving on to Denny Hamlin racing for the 2020 season. So uh, they brought in Alex McCollum to fill the seat, and... Alex was another one of those guys where he was clinched a week early in the in the pro series. So um, that's another great ad for for G two. Um, I feel like he'll fit their brand pretty well. And uh, I, again, I, I feel like they're they're another team that you got to look out for this year. Okay, so that leaves a few slots open, a few teams left, a few drivers with announcements. We know announcements are just kind of pending. I think we saw something from Malik Ray on social media that that indicated that he was waiting to announce something, uh, uh, but he's uh, he's probably signed up. So, uh, well, very good. Thanks for coming on, Justin, and telling us all about uh, all this information you're covering, and, and you have so much knowledge. And again, thank you for uh, what you publish out there. We certainly talk about it on our weekly podcast on a regular basis, and uh, gives our insight our our listeners uh, some of that insider information. Uh, from an iRacers uh, perspective. So thank you for what you do and and uh, continue on and we'll continue watching. So how do the listeners uh, follow your, your writings? You can follow me mainly on um, Twitter uh, at my handle at Justin Malillo. Um, you could also follow any of my work at theracingexperts.net. Um, that's, that's pretty much where I post all my stuff um, as, as far as that's concerned. And, and I really do enjoy doing it. I mean, like I said, I've been a sim racer my entire life and, and to see where the, the iRacing peak series is now, um, I'm just happy to, to be able to write for it, uh, to write about it. It's, it's really neat. And I'm, I'm glad that, that people are following along. All right. Well, we certainly appreciate you, uh, writing about it too. And, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. All right. Very good. Let's uh, get into next topic. David, it's the 24 hours of Daytona happen. Yeah, we have quite a few statistics and different events to talk to about it. Uh, we'll open up with talking about our results. We had, we had planned basically two schedules, expecting that something might go wrong early in the first server. 
Uh, so we had it set up to run the second one, and it kind of worked out that that's ended up that ended up being what we had to do. Uh, both you and I ran the first five, six, seven stints or so together. Uh, had a clean car. We're running running top seven, top six or so. Yeah. Uh, we we handed the car off to Greg. He's running around, and a and a guy makes a, a move late. A lap car makes a move late, um, and catches Greg off guard. And Greg maybe being a little aggressive too. He's not he's not really sure. Um, I guess uh, rear-ended the guy, and uh, this is while I was asleep, and while you were, I think, asleep as well. Uh, and I don't think Mark had made it back from work or was asleep. As anyways, uh, I come back on and see a bunch of private uh, blue messages to us in game, and we also have a message sitting in our inbox on Facebook. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to which the name was. I asked Greg about it, and I kind of looked at the replay, or I didn't get a chance to look at the replay. But at the time, Greg, Greg didn't really feel like it was egregious, and it was definitely a racing accident. Well, in the in the eleventh hour, I come up on a on a guy coming up onto the banking after I guess it's turn six, um, and or maybe that's turn seven. Uh, I flash my lights, just letting them know I'm coming. I'm going to come low instead of high because of because of what, how good of an exit I got. And um, the next thing, he just starts, rap, you know, just rage blinking me nonstop. Tries to direct me in turn one. I, I dodge it, and I think he's, you know, long gone. So then the guy busts the chicane and then comes and, and wrecks me, accelerating and upshifting into fourth gear in into turn three. You know, clearly intentional. So, so he skipped the ch chicane just so he could catch up with you and wreck you. Yes, and then they messaged just afterwards trying to say that he had a black screen problem. That that part was pretty trollish, if if not infuriating. Uh, yeah, I did the protest, sent iRacing basically about a three-point essay. And so far, the guy has not been in a race since then. I, you know, they, they'll only tell you that they, uh, that they found him guilty. They won't tell you what the punishment is. So that's where we stand now on that. Okay. Anyways, it happened literally with about 20 minutes to sign up for the other race. So we jumped in the other race and had Mark start it. Kind of jumped off the schedule a little. And he got caught up with a guy unsafely joining. Just pulled out right in front of him. Nowhere to go. It hurt the car. We had 10 minutes of required repairs. Uh, but these guys wanted to go ahead and run it. And what did we come in? End up coming in 18th. 17th, 18th? Yeah. Yeah, 18th. Uh, I got home from work and ran a couple shifts I wasn't expecting to be running. Uh, because I thought we were still in the first race, but we were in the second. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. I got some more team time behind the wheel. My shoulder was sore, man. Just from this, you know, four hours of running the the Ferrari with the 100% feedback, it was sore. Um, it was fun. Late at night, I was running with Mark, and uh, I was uh, talking to Michael uh, Grigulani. Uh, how do you say his name? Michael Regular? G, we'll call him. Uh, he's one of the peak drivers. Uh, he was running in our split, and uh, we were chatting a little bit. And then I got on the Twitter after I got out of the car and was doing a little late-night trash talking with Jim Beaver over at Jim Beaver Esports because uh, Michael G. runs for those guys. And uh, it was kind of fun interacting with Jim Beaver over there. Yeah, we had a little friendly trash talking as opposed to completely ruining, you know, weeks of work. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about we weren't uh, in the top overall split. results. Mm -hmm. We weren't in the top split, but you have some information on, on the top split results. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Team Redline, uh, fantastic win for the 71 GT car. Uh, and uh, those guys got it done. Uh, jo uh, Rogers, 
man, this guy is quick, man. You know, he wins uh, in his car with uh, Coanda Simsport with uh, Martin Kroenke, Tommy Osgard, and Mitchell DeJong. Um, we were looking at the stats, guys, on the fastest laps of the race in, in overall. And you had everybody right up to second place with, with all these times. And then you have the guy in first, four-tenths faster than everybody else. It's Josh Rogers. I, this blows my mind that he's four tenths faster than everybody else on the planet. That, you know, there's just something that sets him apart. He's just that good. Yeah, so they were in the Corvette and did the overall win. Uh, so congratulations to Josh. Uh, I, you know, I think he should be more proud of that four tenths on everybody in the planet thing. Uh, what about the stats we saw, though? Well, uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh, we, you know, we chose not to try to have our lowest I rating guys. Sometimes we'll try to get in a bottom split for the 24. We went ahead and had me, me sign up before anybody else. So we could get the highest split possible. Why so though? we, we got to run well, cause we got to run second split and we got to run in a, uh, cleaner in, split in a cleaner split and, and also in a actual multi-class instead of all GTEs. Unfortunately in the second race that we signed up for it was all gtes but uh sp speaking of the splits we had there were five splits that ran the i guess euro time zone start the early start with 192 teams or no 20 and that was i'm sorry it was five splits and then 26 splits for the late start with 192 teams starting the uh early event and a thousand three hundred and fifty five for the second start there wow, was over big, a big over discrepancy a million there. laps turned yeah yeah, there was, um, you know, the second time slot is kind of more convenient for almost everybody because that's completely the weekend for everybody. It was the early time slot was a little convenient for us because I had to work so much Saturday. And right. we, had, we were also thinking something goes wrong in this one. We'll just jump in the next one. So 6,300 drivers over a million laps among the two races. A million. Yeah, a million laps turned. And so uh, that's just that's incredible numbers. Big, big, big event. Okay. And it also ran really smoothly. Yeah, there were no issues of server problems. Uh, there was a thread about it in the forums. You know, congratulations, uh, iRacing. Uh, some other notes. Uh, somebody mentioned they downloaded the entire Top Split replay all 24 hours, and it was 40 gigabytes of data. Uh, the other one was uh, somebody uh, was racing for charity, um, and he raised $4,371 for the Extra Life for Kids charity. And uh, he got don people to donate up, and uh, that's quite a haul, actually. That's pretty good, $4,300. So it was Chevette on Twitter, his uh, handle, 924RAR Chevette. He ran solo, 823 laps. Which means he ends up getting disqualified. He should get somebody to just come in there. With two drivers, I think the minimum you have to run is four stints. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, then the stats that Rob Crouch from Australia put up again are just outstanding to look at. I mean, uh, visually appealing. Uh, he has them up in the forums. If you search Daytona 24 2020, you'll see it. Uh, he's got one for each type of, he's got the Daytona prototype, he's got a separate one for GTE, uh, and then a separate for GT3, and so forth. And that just about wraps up the uh, the 24-hour coverage. Uh, congrats to all the teams. Uh, hopefully it went well for you. Of course, it doesn't ha it can't go well for everybody. And uh, next 
I don't remember what's on the schedule next, whether it's Bothurst or Sebring, but of course the very first thing we we asked each other would, when we finished was, okay, what's the next race? Yeah, I'm not running again until Lamar in June. I'll, run, I'll definitely run Spa and Sebring. I don't know about Bathurst. But um, that does conclude that, and now we'll move on to the rest of the topics. iRacing member highlights video. I started to watch this one, and then I actually popped on the chat and said, hey, we've already covered this one. And, and Will was like, yeah, no, we haven't. It's a different video. But it seems to have a lot of the same highlights that uh, came in the top 10 video, except maybe more, just a random assortment of different highlights that you can check out. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing when I first saw it. I said, wait, they already did a video, but it's a different video. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's the same footage or just different uh, views of the same footage or what. I don't know. It's well, a... It- I'm sorry. It's all different clips. Um, I watched through it because I submitted them a video, um, and I was hoping I made this one because I didn't make the top ten. And it's a, it's just all different clips. Um, pretty much anything in here is good enough to make the top ten highlight. I think they just uh, are getting way too many great clips, and uh, ten is just not enough for the month. Yeah, too many to just not share them too. They're so good, you know. Like you said, all these are like side by side at the finish line or, you know, great saves and that kind of thing. It's really fun to watch. All right. Next up, a rare network hiccup happened on the 16th at 5.45 p.m. Eastern. According to staff member Jason Breifogel, he said, it looks like it caused our primary scheduler to get hung up and the backup took over as it was supposed to. But since the first one was still really alive, they both wound up doing the same job. So we got twice the number of sessions and people scheduled into two sessions instead of one. And there's a screenshot where you see the little join box and it's got the same session uh, time, you know, but there's two that you can click on instead of just one. And uh, member Andy Gooderson posted in the forums, this is whack. I lost I-rating in a splat I, a split I wasn't even in. Reports in the forum, if you were racing around 7 p.m. yesterday, you were in two splits at the same time. So if you were racing during that time frame uh, and you had a good finish, let's say you won the race, you might have won the race, but in the other split you, were, you lost the race. You were dead last because you weren't in it. I wonder how that works, though, because if there's a mass disconnect is how it looks like what happened. I clicked on one of the splits, and I think, I think half the field is just a disconnected and nobody put a lap in. Um, if they do a thing where they put your position equal to your car number, so basically if you're car number one in two splits and it kind of freaks out like this again, it could minimize your I rating loss. Um, I don't know. I just It sounds like a backup system worked as intended, but uh, something else glitched and that's what happened here. Well, he didn't specify how much I rating he lost either, but uh, if if only one of the servers ran, then they wouldn't count they they would wouldn't count the I rating, you know, if the other race never actually started. But but did half the people end up in one of the servers and half the people end up in the other server might be a question. Also, um, you can petition for that I rating back if if you want. Probably in this situation, since it's a technical glitch, but it'll it'll be such a small break in your overall. Well, it'll be such a small blip in your overall uh, route that you don't need to. You don't have to worry about it. It's not going to harm your progress. I'm pretty sure that you couldn't petition. I mean, you could, but it ain't going to get it. That's they're not. They just never do that. I don't think there's been ever an instance I've heard where they've given I rating back. 
I don't think they could. I yeah, don't think the system set doesn't up for allow it. it. All right, let's keep moving. Will, major physics engine glitch? Yeah, uh, remember Cameron Dance, uh, he posted up a GIF and an issue he had in a race, and uh, basically he's going along, and his car launches into space um, for really no apparent reason. Uh, staff member Nick Leap posted up and said that he'd pass it along. Um, I kind of went through the form thread, and there looks like there's no explanation or... Um, issue for them to fix at the moment because they don't really know what's going on and it's not like he's off the track or something he's like right in on the track he's a little bit out of the groove because he's side by side but he's not like on the edge of the track or anything like that he's just rolling along and then boom launch just like a spaceship you know yeah he's side by side just before the porsche curves at uh the Lamaze track and it, yeah just sends him to space it didn't look like any kind of net code with the car next to him um, the car next to him was perfectly fine. There was at least a car with between the two of them. But it was just, adios, you're out of here. I can only imagine how hard that glitch is going to be to find considering how many laps are run at that track. Yeah, I don't think we've heard of this before at that track. But uh, it's it made it, the guy made an interesting gif uh, of it. And uh, that was kind of fun to watch on cell phones. All right, next up, uh, Steve Myers mentioned in the forums... We are pushing hard to get cup cars out with Daytona and Talladega before Daytona. Sorry for the delay, but as you can tell, we want to make sure that the AI behaves with cars and tracks before we release them. So that's soon, guys. That's two, three weeks. You know, that's in the next two or three weeks. Yeah, I think it kind of leaked out that this was supposed to come out with the last build, and it was uh, delayed, and uh, I'm sure they're taking their time for a reason to make sure everything as good as it can be um so i don't have any problem with that i'm just excited to try it you know it's one thing for me to try the road ai because i'm not really a road driver i'm not real fast and uh whatnot it's fun but i'm an oval guy and 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 i'm a daytona guy for sure and so the the to race these ai and see how good they are or how bad they are i hope that they're good i hope uh i you know they're really hard to beat I particularly like the the reply as they're discussing whether or not it takes more intelligence to drive oval compared to road with the, the fact that they haven't got oval AI yet yet and that what it's not the matter of the, it's not really that it's intelligence one guy re replied that the AI just hasn't been given given the ability to talk yet and that's pretty important in oval race yeah it seems like it huh on the chat all right uh will we got i racing at the chili bowl kicking butt Yes, uh, Steve Myers tweeted out a congratulations to Kyle Larson who picked up his uh, first Chili Bowl win. Um, and iRacing is 3-for-3 three three for bringing home the driller. So uh, last two were with Christopher Bell, this one with uh, Kyle Larson. But uh, iRacing definitely knows uh, which cars to put their logo on. Absolutely. Uh, congratulations to Kyle. Uh, he's uh, getting it done here in the offseason with the iRacing colors. And, uh, boy, his... Uh, jubilation when he got the trophy at the end uh he got a pose that looks just like the iRacing logo and uh twitter user daniel aldrich uh did a little photoshop with it and put on the red and blue uh background behind it to kind of mimic the iRacing logo and guys it came out pretty darn good i i really like it yeah that is uh it was a very uh emotional win you can tell on his part and just the excitement and uh if he was looking down like 10 degrees and a little bit to the left, he would have nailed the iRacing logo perfect. But uh, 
really, really cool to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I watched uh, the the last part of that last race on my phone. Uh, somebody was putting put it on Twitch, and I was able to see it. And uh, Christopher was leading, and, and Kyle just took it from him on the, one of those restarts. He just did a complete side slide job and just forced the issue. And once he got the lead, uh, was able to keep it. That original logo is of a real-life driver. I don't know if they've ever said who it is, but it would be interesting if they would actually ever just go ahead and roll with this, go ahead and change the silhouette. The colors are actually backward in the original logo, if you look carefully, um, but I'm sure that could be adjusted. All right, next up, iRacing was almost hacked, is what we're finding out. Um, we call it I Am Not a Robot, and if you've signed in recently, you might have seen this, where... Not only does it ask you the normal username and password, but you have to like uh, check, click the box that has the street light in it, and you have to like click on six different boxes and hit login. Uh, what do you guys think of that? It's just a part of the world we live in. We have to protect against us, the bad boys. I yeah. think it's a, a good sign iRacing's growing. People are trying to hack it now. That's how you know you're uh, at another level. <laughs> But uh, I noticed it on my phone. I like to log on at work and just kind of browse the forums every now and then. And it's uh, it was a little annoying at first, but uh, I've kind of gotten used to it. I don't think it's a big deal. Um, if it makes us safer as members, I'm all for it. Now, my understanding, it's one of those brood attacks where uh, a machine is going to the web login page and it's trying, you know, multiple times to log in with, uh, you know, every other password it can come up with. And the, the I'm not a robot thing will slow it down because obviously it's got to click through the, all the pictures and stuff and, and whatnot before it's allowed to try it again. Um, so that's the idea of why it's there. Uh, you know, Chris Page over at iRacing, uh, he did post up about it. Uh, they're basically saying it's necessary at this point because somebody was targeting us. Uh, we don't, I don't think they, they know if this is a permanent kind of thing. Uh, the other thing is it broke all the third-party apps that use scraping of the iRacing service to get information, uh, like iPitting.com or DanAndLisa.com or uh, what are some other ones, Will, I'm not thinking of? Uh, nothing I've used has really been affected. I like to use iRacingStats.com, and I thought that would get messed up, um, but nothing on my end has really been messed up. Yeah, any of those things where you have to put in a username and password. I think there's another app called iSchedule where you can look up, you know, your racing schedule or stats and that kind of thing. But anyway, some of those things are affected. Uh, there is a forum post from those developers of those apps, uh, obviously looking for uh, answers. And um, they don't really have any at this moment. Uh, what else about this? Let's see. Um, there was another post uh, in the forums, people asking to get rid of it. It's annoying. Why do we have to have it? But I think, like you said, David, it's just part of the way it is here in 2020. It is. All right. Speaking of next? user interfaces and member websites, the next thing we have is a, a discussion on the forums about the beta UI opening video. Uh, basically, somebody shouting its praises. Yeah, I went in, it made me go in and try it and look, and it's like a, it's like a bumper cam going on the, the dirt truck, you know, on the Wild West track. Um, and it looks really sharp, and it looks kind of cool, and it just plays while everything kind of loads just for a moment. But it's a nice touch. It's a, visually appealing. They're really trying to make the beta UI grow on me, I think. 
you know, with little stuff like that. They've done a lot of good work on it. Um, We remember talking about the 24 hours last week that they don't, they didn't want the team interface used on it very much. It's not quite fully implemented. Another thing that they don't have implemented very well is the uh, pre-gridding of of fields like i'm running with the majors now and they re they preset all of their splits because you have to qualify in on time throughout the week and they are stuck basically only using the the member websites uh where they can't set a specific date or time so every race we run has to run in may weather so i mean we're talking a couple of major you know remind major or minor glitches but they've definitely improved it uh, the biggest improvement was not having to be in VR when you're going through the interface. Um, and that makes it run a lot smoother for me. Yeah, I've uh, I've played around in the beta interface. Um, the biggest thing is I just really love the official race guide. Um, the way it sorts it by license class. And you could see what the track name is, how many drivers are getting ready for that race, when does it start. I've played around with the beta UI and have made it better um, where I can sort it by either how many drivers are in a race, or how soon before the next race starts. Um, there's something about that screen, though, I just don't like as much as the member site. If they ever get that right, I'll be 100% happy only using the uh, beta UI. It's just missing a little something for me. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't used I don't use it to join races still because I basically, each, each season, I will bookmark the sessions page for each of my series like IMSA and Le Mans and, and NIS. And I'll, I'll, I'll just click on that bookmark and go straight to the sessions page when it's open and, and I can just click register for the race or register for the practice. Hmm, good idea. Yeah. The website is so convenient. Um, like if, lately I've been jumping between pickup cup to Delara dash, pickup cup to Delara dash every half hour. And it's so, it's literally just like, two clicks with a mouse on a website so why do i want to open a beta ui and drill in there and look around and figure out where i want to click and when it's so easy i mean and the hosted when you go to hosted on the website uh, there's just so much information presented to you that they haven't replicated perfectly in the beta ui the the part where you can hover and get more information without clicking uh, that's that stuff is yeah a lot of the artwork in the ui looks nicer but just, the, you're right, it's the information they give you. I could quickly look at 20 series right now on my screen, see how many drivers are in each race, how long between each race. Um, so if I want to race in 10 minutes, do I want to race in 20 minutes? Um, do I want to race in this race that has 14 people? Um, I could just see so much more, so much faster. And I don't know if that's just because that's what I've used since I started iRacing. Um, I feel like I need to give myself like a, a solid week or two of using nothing but the beta UI, and I'd probably adapt, but uh, it's just missing a little something. You would adapt, but uh, what my point is, it's slower. If it's not, if it's slower, I don't think people are going to like it. So they they got something to do there. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, we had a uh, announcement on Facebook: Monty Noise has passed away. Uh, you might remember Monty Noise. Uh, he's been around iRacing forever, guys. Uh, he's always in hosted. He is a super speedway master, or a tally whacker, as I call it. Uh, a guy who runs uh, hosted oval all the time. Um, and he was really good. And I've raced him a lot, and I'm sure a lot of you uh, listeners have raced him as well. 
and he was always some, somebody to contend with out there and uh, respectful on the track. And I just wanted to mention it uh, that we did lose Monty. Um, so uh, Godspeed to him. All right, Will, uh, Trading Paints uh, announces their anniversary. Yeah, no, they are having their 10th birthday. Um, iRacing launched to the public on January 20th in 2010, and uh, now it's 2020. So congratulations to Trading Paints. They provide a, an amazing service to the community. It makes racing a lot funner when you have uh, paint jobs you can recognize out there. And uh, I couldn't imagine what iRacing was like prior to Trading Well, it's necessary for sure. I mean... Can you imagine what it would be without it is the kind of the pro- thing to think about. I mean, they really do uh, give us a good service, and and it's free. You know, you can pay for the pro subscription to get some extra features, but most people don't. Most people are fine with the free version. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. actually uh, 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 tweeted his praise, uh, said, Such a great service. Uh, made iRacing much more enjoyable for so many members. Yeah, and, no, I know. Oh, go ahead. You go, David. go ahead. No, you go. I was going to say, uh, my dad is new to iRacing, and he iRaced for about a month before I talked him into downloading training paints. And basically, I had to walk him through every step. He has really no PC or PC gaming experience. And uh, our, our first session on the track, he was uh, um, having a good time pointing out all the cars and the historic paint jobs in the K&N car. So I know it's uh, it definitely makes it a funner experience to have those cars painted around you. It's been around almost as long as iRacing, so I can't remember actually running without it. Um, and a great thing along the lines of what we talk about with iRacing is they also continue to update their product. Uh, we talked about that most most recently with the new uniform management. And speaking of which, uh, the spec map has just been an awesome addition to the to the to the visuals and there were so many pretty paints in the 24 and so just as a reminder this has popped back up there's a link that we have uh on the iRacing forums that actually goes to several youtube videos that will help walk you through that process of of getting uh, a metallic look or a rough look yeah there's uh six videos that iRacing has put up on basically how to paint with all this new stuff and uh numbers logos uh, roughness, metallic, and then spec map. So there's uh, different areas each video focuses on. Uh, they understand that this stuff is complicated, and it is, and you need instruction. Well, they provide instruction. So uh, if you search the forum's custom spec map video, you'll find those links. To- you can also use the show notes. If you take a look at our show notes that you can see right now, the next thing we're going to talk about is uh, um, some old dudes. Yeah, the old BRL, uh, Old Bastards Racing League, uh, Steve over there. Uh, this is the second week we're going to talk about it, but uh, it's a heads up on a charity race for law enforcement office survivors. Uh, it gives them money uh, if their uh, officer or family member is killed in the line of duty. They cover living expenses until uh, payment of survivor benefits can be received. And so 100% of the money raised goes to that fund. It's a $20 entry fee. Trucks at Homestead, 100 laps, Saturday, February 1st, 9 p.m. Eastern. To get involved, you go to runforleosurvivors.org, click donate, and donate the $20 fee. And then you can go to Burning Rubber Radio Facebook page where they have an event set up on Facebook where you actually sign up 
uh, to go along with your $20 donation. So get involved. Let's fill the room, guys, and uh, and get these guys uh, some money. They deserve it. All right. Uh, holy course cutting. Yeah. Looks like some guys found a cut on the Barcelona Historic course. And Tyler put out a nice little stern warning that they will come down on you hard if you do this. Yeah. Did you see the video? Uh, not quite yet. Yeah, the video, the guy video completely post. is off track and is going, you know, kind of a, beyond the rumble strips, and it doesn't give him a slowdown or anything. And, and Tyler alludes to they're going to put a slowdown in, but until then, he's just basically saying, if you're caught doing this, you're going to be in trouble. I think that's yeah. uh, fair. I think it's nice that they put it out there to tell people they're going to get penalized for it. Um, I think that should just be common sense. Um, to most members, but I know racers always try to find the find any advantage they can. Yep. That that is a, that is right on on the edge because it, there's quite a few places where you can be all over the curb at Sebring that could uh, that some officials might bust you for, but you don't get a one X or or a cut track. So this isn't like I don't see this particular one the same as something that's cutting a, a section of the track off. It's not as egregious, is that what you mean? It's it's it's, it's closer to the gray side of things. Right. But yet, they're going to work on it, but he did announce uh, about it. So be careful out there on Barcelona. All right, Will, we got finally a Road to Pro schedule. Yeah, Tyler Hudson posted up, uh, I believe a couple days ago, the Road to Pro schedule. Um, They do have some different tracks than before. I know Eldora was dropped, which I was a... A big fan of them dropping that. As much as I love dirt, I just feel like it made no sense to be on there. But it's a really nice collection of tracks, in my opinion. Um, they go from Daytona, Rockingham, Homestead, Atlanta, the Charlotte Roval, Michigan, Richmond, Darlington, Dover, Vegas, Canadian Tire, uh, Texas, Martinsville, and Phoenix. Um, I think those are all driver tracks. Um, that They're all tracks that really kind of take skill um, to get around, and I think this is a good lineup. What do you guys think? Two road courses. I think Honestly, it's a good schedule. I mean, it kind of lines up with real life, um, is what I'm seeing. Almost harkens back to, to some of the early Truck Series days, too, when they weren't just doubling the the nation or the Top Series all the time. I think the biggest surprise is Rockingham I mean, uh, as a second race. Yeah, Tyler mentioned he did have more freedom doing this schedule than in the past, it sounded like. So um, I hope this schedule works out good. I think... Probably the best collections of tracks I could have even came up with. Um, I can't think of any tracks that would have been better to put on this list. So, um, Another thing to mention is a Class A 2.0 license. Um, so not only do you have to have a Class A license, your safety rating needs to be above a 2.0. Um, I think that is a kind of a new addition. Have you guys ever noticed that before in the past? No, I don't know. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, I think it might have been A only before. 14 weeks, it goes March 10th through September 22nd. So this is a long season for 14 races. So it's every other week opposite the peaks. It's called Road to Pro and it's trucks. We got two people, three maybe, who are going to run it, seriously run for it uh, on this team. And so um, I'm going to be involved as a, you know, administrator spotter coach that kind of thing i don't think i'm actually going to race i'm going to try to see if i can use my skill to help the uh other drivers who are going for it so 
I'm excited. Let's get it. It's a, it's a series that we always see a lot of uh, participation drop off as people start to realize how how much harder it is, and or that they're so far out of the running that they're not going to stand a chance. Well, if you look at oval series in iRacing and you look at prestige level, you got the eNASCAR Peak whatever series at the top. Then you have the Road to Pro or the Pro series, which was the Xfinity we watched before. And then you have this, the Road to Pro. It's literally the third one down. And then bef- after that, I would say, is the NIS series, which is what we always run, the NASCAR iRacing series. It's the fourth, I would say. And so I encourage people to run this Road to Pro, even if you don't have the iRating to actually get in the top 20. You, to be realistic, you got to have a 4,500 or 5,000 iRating at the beginning of this series to be able to even be in contention uh, or there's no way you can race your way in if you are less than that i don't think but I run want, it anyway you know I'll, like you said the participation was really high at the beginning of the the season especially at daytona and then it falls off drastically because people forget about it because it only happens every two weeks how do you feel about this being just a one start a week series i know nis is limited starts and most series run every couple hours but this is a one-and-done series. Do you think that affects the racing at all, or do you think partici- participation would be better throughout the year if there was uh, two to three starts a week, kind of like NIS? I don't know. I, I kind of like the once-every-two-weeks thing because it kind of mimics what's going to happen in the Pro Series. I mean, that's kind of the same way. I mean, it's a one-and-done, and if you have bad luck, you're pretty much hosed. Yeah, the... I like NIS better than Road to Pro. I'm not going to be one of the people running the Road to Pro because I prefer the multiple shots at a pickup racing. That's what I really enjoy about iRacing. But when you want to take it to that top level, um, once a week makes sense. And it it becomes a times commitment. It becomes almost a job. Um, And so I think the guys at that level, it's going to require that type of commitment and that type of luck, you know, and that, you, you, it's always luck is what preparation meets opportunity when to to reach the top of these series. Uh, I got one final question for you too. Um, this is a 14 week series. I know it's going to be stretched out throughout the year. Uh, the pro series was was seven to eight weeks and in a much more condensed time frame. Um, do you ever see them adjusting these schedules to kind of have a balance between them, or do you think it's going to be kind of how it is i don't see him changing it it's been this way i think the third year in a row now so um i don't see him changing it i think they want activity on this all the all throughout the nascar season so they're starting it a little late in march 10th i mean that's a little late later than the season normally starts but we'll have the peak before that and then we do the road to pro after them so it is opposite road to pro that Maybe means maybe they can broadcast it, you know. Uh, you know, if they're broadcasting normally on Tuesday nights for Road to Pro and and uh, and peak, you know, and alternate between them. I don't know. I kind of yeah. like the way the schedule is. Yeah, the schedule kind of lays out with with the NAS, you know, with the NASCAR season. They use the Road to Pro during the NASCAR season. They use the Pro basically in the off season, and it got promoted a little bit better this year as far as the broadcasting. Um, and another difference in the two series is Road to Pro is an open series. Pro, you basically have already gotten through a 14 weeks. One note uh, one of the team members uh, noted was it says on Martinsville that the time of day is sunset. 
So he, indis- he said that that looks like we're getting lights at some point with Martinsville, if that's indeed the, the case. But that's at the end of the season. September 8th is Martinsville. So uh, does that mean we're going to have lights at Martinsville before September 8th? Maybe. Hope so. I've been to the, I didn't make it this year, but I've been to a few of the fall races and it, it's a, it's a nice looking track when, as it gets dark, it starts a little bit before sunset. Yeah. When it, when I went this year, when it went dark, uh, was definitely the best time. It was cooled off. You could see the brake rotors glowing. Um, I'm sure iRacing will have those lights up. Um, possibly in the next two builds, they'll definitely be ready. In you know, if you're an oval driver, I'll say it one more time, run this series. You know, it's once every two weeks on a Tuesday night. You're going to be running anyway. Plan it. Do it. Get one start every time. See where the points shake out. Who cares about what your I rating is? Just see what happens. And that way, next year, you know what to expect. And you can build on it and that kind of thing. So uh, it's open to everybody. All you got to have is that A license. So do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, we have an article by Crash.net telling us that Formula One is using their eSports uh, drivers to trial uh, rule changes. And uh, this article went on to say that uh, they've had great success with their Formula One East series uh, with their e-drivers and whatnot, that they've decided to try some rules changes with them, uh, namely uh, how the Formula One cars grid up. Uh, as you know, right now they stagger on grid quite a bit. Uh, they're going to trial maybe starting those cars side by side, you know, in rows of two. And uh, does the racing, you know, look better? And, you know, part of the article kind of talks about, you know, they can simulate it all they want, but until they have humans actually doing it and you got that human element of how a start might go and how the cars kind of feed into turn one, uh, if they're not staggered on the grid, you know, uh, how does that look when you do a start, you know, 20 times in a row? And and that's kind of what they were talking about. I wouldn't be surprised hearing a story like this coming from NASCAR um, soon. Um, I'm surprised they don't have four, five, six rigs at the NASCAR R&D Center um, to try out different things and have maybe a partnership with a, a development team at iRacing to kind of make weird formats or just stuff that they would like to test. Um, like invert the field or something on a stage or something like that right yeah that aero package stuff um different pitch strategies like what well, i'm sure they've simulated or i would have simulated a full length xfinity or truck race with the new pit stop rules this what uh what can go wrong what goes right what can we tweak how long does it take right um well mike what was I one of the specific things sorry what was the what was one of the specific things you did a little bit differently getting ready for the twenty four this time? Oh, I don't know. You ran a race. Yeah, I ran, ran a, it was a race. Yeah. Don't you think you got more out of that than driving around uh, uh, in a practice session? Oh yeah, and you know I hate practice, and it doesn't really seem to help me. So yeah, I definitely got more out of running the races for sure, and that's what I've been doing this week is running a bunch of short Daytona races, just kind of getting that muscle memory ready for the five hundred. Yeah, even even when it's unofficial, just that switch that goes off in your brain when it's a race compared to a practice, uh, that's better. You know, whenever I run any of the tracks, whether it's whether it's oval or road, that's that's how I practice. I I get in, I just get familiar enough with the track, and then I jump on the track and go. And usually my first race sucks, or it sucks for half the time, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this and this and this and this, and I get better in that first run. 
All right, we got a new car, and Will, you guessed it right, actually. He did, but he wanted me to tell you about it. It's uh, the BMW M4 GT4. They've shown, they showed iRacing taking pictures of one on site, and it's coming to the GT4 class in 2020. Yeah, it looks like the Turner Katera team. Uh, they're, I don't know if they're scanning the car or just getting photos of it, but uh, yeah, it's happening. And boy, we've gotten a lot of BMW cars uh, recently. That's the third one, right? Fourth? I know we got the GTE most recently. Is there a GT3? I can't even yeah. keep up. Yeah, this. Uh, I think this is a great addition. Um, it's going to go to the Mission and Pilot Challenge with the uh, other Porsche they're adding later on this year. So they're going to go from just the uh, Audi TRC to uh, three cars in that series. Um, That'll be cool. I, I think it's going to be a great series for people just kind of getting to the GT3 and uh, GTE cars. Um, if it was a fixed setup, I'd probably run it a little bit more. Um, but with uh, th uh, two more additional cars coming this year, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes one of the most popular road series on the service. Yeah, it's been a good it's been a good addition to kind of fill in a class gap, but, uh, especially considering the, you know the MX-5 and the Kias and some of the other sports cars. They just don't really fit on the track as well, even with the GT3s. Uh, you know, we fought, we've been following Snell Racing, and her first dive into endurance racing has been in the TC4. Um, there's been quite a few multi-class races coming out, running running like a mix of GT3, TC4, and maybe the Mazda or some other slower sports car. So it's it's, it's created another range of of multi-class ranging or, or racing where you don't have to jump up it straight to IMSA to get that experience. Yeah. All right. Pretty cool. And we got another weekly member spotlight video and it's not the one we talked about last week. Well, hopefully they should have a new one out every week. Yeah. Um, and this one feature, I'm sorry, I'm pulling the link back. Yeah. It's a member spotlight. Uh... It's a member spotlight, Daniel, uh, Krzlowski. And uh, it's a fight to the finish in a, in a road race. Yeah, supercar and side-by-side side for like a lap and a half or at least. And uh, really clean racing. And right down at the line, I mean, it's 0. 0.730 to 0. 0.731. And so they, they won it by one one-thousandth, uh, barely, uh, after uh, all, you know a lap and a half at Phillip Island, of all places, side-by-side. So that was kind of a longer uh, format, like a two-minute video of just one battle. And so they're they're doing a lot of different stuff with the videos. All right, let's jump into hardware, software. Uh, Will, we got a video showing off those beautiful, beautiful blue pedals. Yeah, these are the uh, updated AP simulation pedals. Um, uh, Mark over there posted up a video in the forums, kind of going a little more in-depth on them. Uh, he posted actually two videos. Uh, first one was showing a wall of pedals. Um, I couldn't imagine how many sets of pedals there are on that wall. And then uh, another video where he actually sets the pedals down and kind of goes through it, its components. Um, these are really, really nice pedals. Uh, a little out of my price range, unfortunately. Um, if I got them, my wife would probably kill me. But uh, what do you guys think? I love the 20-minute video where he goes through the entire product from nose to tail and just, you know, describes everything and how he is really, you know, this is really a new version of his older pedal and, and he really does upgrade a lot of stuff. For example, all the electronic stuff is hidden in the base of the middle pedal, the brake. 
and it, it, there's not a lot of parts to it. It's kind of real low profile because he's got everything self-contained. And the yeah. metal uh, and the color of the metal, obviously the blue, I don't know why the blue uh, attracts me so much, uh, but I just love the look of it. Uh, and then the, the pedals themselves are obviously steel and or a stainless steel and they look great. And that's an anodized color, right? That's not a paint. Right, which makes it even look more posh, you know? Very, very. It gives it the metallic look. So, how much are they, Will? Ooh, I believe last time I looked, they were up fourteen hundred. Yeah, say fourteen, fifteen hundred. So, um, but they are probably gonna be the best pedals on the market when they do come out. Um, they're all hydraulic. I know a lot of the stuff now, or lately, has all been load cells. So, it's uh, cool to see some hydraulic pedals get some love. Yeah, if I was buying pedals, man, man, this is it. I, I wouldn't be looking at anything else. This is what I'd be buying. They're called JBV. The website is hppsimulation.com. And they're actually for sale. I don't think uh, they're a pre-order or anything. Yeah, I believe he said uh, shipments would be going out Monday. Um, so if you ordered them today, they'd ship out um, Monday. All right, let's keep moving. Um, well, we already talked about that one. Let's move on to the uh, Lotus 98T Vintage Wheel Review. Uh, this was a video put up and about... Well, from Barry over at Sim Racing Garage, we always talk about his videos, and he, he has a Lotus vintage wheel that somebody put together, and it was from 3D wrap, so it's like 3D printed kind of stuff. Looks like it might make a good oval wheel, uh, definitely limited on the buttons, uh, old school, um, and it's interesting that it's, uh, a, you know, it is a formula wheel, so I, I can't, I couldn't find a measurement, but it, it's probably not as wide uh on the radius as the oval rims are uh 189 euros it looks like is that going to come out to 300 roughly 350 and uh just two buttons one on each side a pretty simple kind of oval wheel with alcantara but if you're an oval driver uh maybe this suits you you know it is kind of got that old style look vintage as i call it okay i was wrong on the on the translation too it's a 219 american not bad and uh, let's see, they have adapter for Logitech or Thrustmaster or uh, OSW or QR. Next up, we have BJ Sim Racing offering some high-quality products. You can take a look at their website. And the, the first thing that pops up for me is um, a nice-looking formula rim. Uh, I like the button placements on it, and it has basically a screen, a custom screen. That probably, I wonder if it can be integrated with sim racing apps or has its own menu. Uh, they also have fans. And there's quite a few menu options on there. So I you think can brakes, check out BJS Sim yeah, Racing. Yeah, brakes and handbrakes and pedals are really what they're known for. So click on those. And I think they're from Spain. Uh, they have an Instagram, and that's how I found them. And if you look at the Instagram, you'll see the products really easily. Um the brakes look really nice and uh i mean really top end um the website is got uh, bjsimracing.com uh, if you go there they do have uh you know different pricing and listed out in euros that's interesting it looks like they have a high quality uh is it hydraulic two it looks option. hydraulic yeah yeah you know I'm if trying you're to going find the price if you got 1157 euros for that not for that two pedaler no for the three pedal yeah um if you're running only formula you don't need that clutch pedal because you're going to clutch on the on the wheel they do look really like really high-end pedals they definitely have wheel wood 
pedals on uh, mounted to them, but uh, definitely hydraulic, and uh, they look pretty nice. Uh, I, I'm not sure I'm a fan of the foot plate that has the logo, the BJ Sim Racing, but otherwise, I, they, they're, they're really nice. All right, let's keep moving. Will, the ABB Ultimate. Yeah, we got the Apex Button Box, our ABB Ultimate. It's a 24-function button box. Uh, they posted it up on their Facebook page. It's uh, decaled really nice, but yeah, there is a ton of buttons. It looks like an ignition, a start button, brake bias knob, and two smaller encoder knobs, possibly for volume control or anything of that nature. Um, but it looks like it runs $95, uh, shipped to the lower 48 states, according to according to them. Yeah, and it's going to be for sale in the iRacing flea market on Facebook. It's where he's going to actually sell them. He doesn't have a, a site, I guess. But we've talked about his stuff before. This has got a, a different design uh, with the color. You know, it's got, you know, partial carbon fiber, but then some nice blue and white stripes. Yeah, I was going through some of his other button box offerings, and uh, I found a smaller one that I'm really liking for $49. It's uh, six buttons, gives you three encoder knobs one for brake bias and two smaller ones for whatever you want to use them for but yeah, it's definitely got some good looking button boxes um looks like good quality and a uh, great attention to detail all right david tell us about how you double the fan power well this is interesting looking at it it's an upgrade kit for fans um so it's only $60, and I'm not sure exactly what it's upgrading because you already have to have a double the fan with an air straightener to buy this product. Well, it gives you the additional hoses where you can put the fan kit down below and just have the hoses come up to where you want them. And so it's like a... So it's or, giving you more length. Or you can have the one hose feed into this, which gives you two. So it doubles the fan power, right? You get twice... Two things blowing instead of one. Right, but you better have, you're going to have to have the fans already. Yeah, now this same place sells the fan kits as well. So this is a, a new product that they've announced to go with their original product that just gives you an extra, basically, hose. It's like a Y cable, I guess, for a hose, so to speak, but uh, it splits one into two kind of thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you already got the wind thing. Now, if you had VR, this is a no-brainer for me. I would definitely have wind blowing on my face. Yeah, but unless I, I guess you'd have to turn it off if you're in any you know cockpit car, because you don't really have the wind blowing in your face when you're in a cup car or a sports car. Well, it's a window net, right? You're gonna have some buffeting, right? N not really. That otherwise they wouldn't have to use the air coolers in their helmets. They have those things sealed tight to get as little air in as in there as possible. Okay. Next up, I found on Facebook at uh, Sim Racing Market Sale and Exchange, Ernesto Fritas posted up on January 20th, seats for sale, Sim seats, uh, just the seat. Uh, he's got different colors. They look super comfortable um, and lots of different options. They're 159 euros. And uh, I guess it only makes sense if you buy them in Europe because of shipping, but... Uh, what do you guys think? They're kind of a nice-looking bucket seat, but wide. It's like a perfect mix between like a traditional racing seat and what you see in some of the uh, higher-end formula rigs. Um, I think it's a very nice-looking seat. It looks very comfortable, um, but still has a small enough profile to fit comfortably in a rig without taking up too much space. Yeah, and he, as you scroll through the pictures, he's got logos on the headrest, 
In fact, there's a red one with the Ferrari logo. Uh, there's a black with green uh, accents for, and it has the Lotus logo. So you can get uh, a McLaren with the McLaren orange, and it's got the McLaren logo. So I really like those too. They got a really nice looking um, MPI or Max Pappas. Um, really nice looking, high glossy black with a kind of Alcatara material. Yeah, definitely nice looking seats for the price. I mean, that's a good rate, right? Let me tell you what's not a good rate. Okay. If you had sixty k, would you drop it on a on a, a sim rig or an actual car to to race? Well, I don't know if we've heard one at sixty. That's pretty high. Well, we got one now. It says, your race simulator is invalid. This is a rig with a Formula One body. That's crazy. That's like Michael Schumacher's Formula One car. Full-size, like replica. like Or it is an actual Formula One car, it looks like it. Yeah, 60K if you want it. And they got a, it looks like a 46-inch triple screen mounted on uh, in front of the cockpit. And there's a guy sitting in it. And obviously there's a, probably a steering wheel. We don't see that, but... Hey, it's for sale if you're in Miami, 60K. That's crazy. Your race simulator is invalid. Uh, so this was posted up on Turnology on their Facebook page. Is that our most expensive item we've presented? A Formula One car? Probably. Or, well, just period. 60K, is that the most expensive rig we've dropped? I think so. It's definitely up there. All right, Will, what's next? Yeah, so we... Uh... Spotted an Instagram post from Fast Track Sims, uh, their new clutch mechanism. Um, it looks like they mounted it to the front of their P1 chassis, but it is an actual racing clutch that the pedals operate. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it. Uh, I know staff member David Tucker posted about it on the forums, uh, replying to a post. Um, he said he likes it. Um, he said he wish, or he would like to see them do a load cell on the clutch plate itself. So that way you can adjust the bite point to the exact point in the sim. Um, definitely a next-level clutch. We don't see those too often. I don't think we, we ever talk about clutches when it comes to pedals. I mean, it's like David said, you don't even need a clutch and if you're a certain kind of driver. But if you do have a clutch, even on these high-end pedals, it's simple a spring clutch. You know, it's just a spring or something, right? But I think... These guys at Fast Track Sims, they're really taking this to the next level. They're, I think, the first ones I've seen that are really implementing a real clutch into a simulator. And I'm really been interested to follow this and just kind of see where it goes. Is this going to be the next thing that we all need to get, you know? Yeah, Fast Track Sims, I've followed them for a little while now. And they, uh, they have some of probably the best oval racing simulators out there, in my opinion, from what I could tell. Um, they really go for realism and sitting in the proper way and having the right pedal set up. Um, even their direct drive motors are actually uh, mounted just above the pedal set. Um, and they actually have a steering rod that goes up to the driver's lap so you get the proper angles. So um, I'm not surprised they kind of have the best looking clutch out on the market. Right. All right, let's keep moving. Alternative to D-Box, uh, Lance Libby asked in the forums, uh, what is an alternative uh, for an, a four actuator D box setup? And of course, the first answer is the SS SFX 100. So that's the do-it-yourself version. A lot of people are really liking that. Uh, some of the other ones mentioned are the PT actuator, ProSimU, and Motion House. But uh, boy, uh, 
I saw a cockpit. This, it was a regular uh, Sim Labs 8020, but with D box, and it's like perfect because the monitors move, the pedals move, the string wheel moves. Everything moves because they're all on the Sim Labs chassis, and the entire chassis is on these four legs that move up and down, and it's like the perfect scenario. Anyway, uh, let's keep moving. Uh, company review. I found ApexSimRacing.com. And uh, they have a website where they sell all kinds of stuff. Uh, button boxes, dashboard, uh, steering wheels, everything. Uh, Do-it-yourself uh, parts. Um, so check it out. They have a really nice looking dashboard for the, it looks like, direct drive wheels. Um, that's all carbon fiber and it goes out on each side. Um, what do you guys think of that? I, that one's the one that really jumped out at me. It's called the Simucube Mege Mount Dashboard, 400 bucks. I have not. Now I'll try to pull it up real quick. It, it's, a, it's a lot for buttons, 400 bucks, but it gives you that carbon fiber dash on either side of your wheelbase, you know, um, which I don't think that would work for me because I do have a monitor with timing and scoring down below, and it would certainly block that. It would also block my keyboard from where I currently have it. So I'm not, a, I'm not sure I'm a fan personally of the dashes that go, you know, left and right side. Uh, but if you are, I mean, this is definitely high-end look. They're, my DSDs are both on, on the sides, and it's very handy, especially when you're in VR. Yeah, look at that huge knob over on the left for the, like, was that brake bias or something? Yeah, check their stuff out. It's pretty cool. All right, let's keep moving. David, we got a new video card, the AMD 5600 XT. So, according to our little sis here, it may be the quickest card to come up to the market after being announced, but all it, it all had to do with a last-minute change because of NVIDIA. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly what that means. I didn't, I didn't catch this video yet, but when I glanced it, what was peculiar was um, all of his benchmarks, none of them had the 20... Car, series cards on there um it was comparing almost all of them to 1680 ti's yeah this so. is a lower end card and it's going to have a lower end price point so um yeah keep that in mind but um his synopsis over at jay's two cents was i wouldn't buy this card just yet and he and he talks about why uh some of his reasoning was uh the dis the outputs for display uh, it did like the it has a mix of different ones. It's got the DVI, it's got the DisplayPort, it's got an HDMI. When other cards that are at the same price have like all DVI and one HDMI, the, you know, just little things like that. Um, as far as performance versus price, uh, there are some other cards around that price point that are kind of similar. So that's what he was saying. But AMD, you know, put something out and uh, nobody likes it. <clears throat> that's what I caught from that anyway. Let's talk another product that uh, might have had some trouble. The Sim Magic direct drive wheel that we've been talking about. We actually have seen it in the wild now. We got a review on YouTube. David. Yes, I actually uh, watched quite a bit of this video. And uh, the, the guy mostly through his hardware review of it and started to do some of his Sim review. Uh, he had some positive things to say, uh, but he had a hardware film. Um, and he clarifies himself. He puts out a video saying he's not going to be able to finish the review until he, he gets with, with the guy that loaned him the device to kind of get it repaired. So he did not complete the review as far as how it works in all the software. And it, it is pretty important to, to uh, point out, as he does, 
that this can happen with any of the companies, Mike, you, your first uh, podium didn't run so great if, if you recall. So it can happen with all of them. It's just really unlucky for the, for the guys to have the hardware failure when uh, you're, when you're having one of your influencers do a review. Yeah. And, and this, he put out two videos over two days, boosted media. We've talked about him before, but he, uh, his first video is just about the wheel itself. And, and he talked about, you know, how it was built and the, and it comes with a, a wheel and a base for $900 and which is a great price point for both of those things. But, uh, one thing that kind of caught his eye was the back of the base. There were two screws that were in there that weren't like threaded into anything they were just sitting there loose and like when he turned it upside down it, they just fell out and so that was kind of a red flag and then the second day he put out a different video and when he, where he was going to do the actual software and whatnot he said he filmed it and then the wheel failed and so he said us hold you know because of that he also talked david about customer service and warranty and that was also a big red flag. Yeah, if you go back, I think the last time we were talking about Chinese product, I don't know if it was this one or not, but I, uh, I'm i a band director, and we, we religiously tell our kids to stay away from Chinese manufactured instruments for the same reason. Our local repair guys will not repair them. They can't get parts. Uh, most My most recent experience with Chinese manufacturing has actually been at the gym. We have a bench, one of the gyms that we have, they have these hydraulic benches because they're 24 hour gyms and they want you to be able to bail out if you fail and can't get the, get the weight off your chest. Uh, so you, they're hydraulic and you can push the, the lever and you fall down and, and a little bit lower. And one of those hydraulics has been broken now for three months and they can't get the parts from China. Um, so all of my experience in two different, completely two different worlds of business is service for any anything manufactured in china is just doesn't have a history of being so great yeah boosted media went on to say that the customer service they're not really going to offer any uh, as a company sim magic uh they're going to distribute to dealers and dealers will offer customer service but they will have no customer service and from what it sounds like you know reading between the lines there's no warranty either and what and, do you do if, if you buy from it and that dealer's out of business in three months? Right. There's Yeah, reading between the lines, there's no warranty either. So even though the price is $900, uh, yeah, I still think it's buyer beware here. Well, all right, let's keep moving. David, we got new pedals. Thrustmaster, load sale, go. Wow. Yeah, there's, a, there's thread, Thrustmaster's at starting a load sale pedal. So Thrustmaster runs about, about about almost the same, kind of considered almost the same level as a uh, Logitech, right? Kind of your earlier, your lower, more entry level wheels. Entry level, yep. Um, so let, they're stepping it up, stepping the game up a little. Uh, I don't know if they're just deciding that that's going to be the entry level now, or if they're moving into higher end products. Well, price says it's going to be two hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, there's actual picture of the product in the box. Well, a picture of the box. And by Tuon Tron on the forums. And uh, it's called the TLCM Pedals by Thrustmaster. It says load cell and magnetic uh, shifter uh, of force. And I can't read it. It says compatible with PS4, Xbox, Xbox One, and PC. And as far as how they look, uh, it's got a nice metal plate, you know, for the heel. 
that's kind of built in. It's all kind of a base, you know, floor standing. You don't have to mount them. You just lay, like sit it on the floor. Uh, three pedals. They have metal, uh, pretty wide. Uh, they look pretty nice for, you know, a $250 item. That's interesting, though. With that particular base, how uh, how would you mount them? I don't really see a place to place any holes. And they're probably like the uh, G29 pedals. There's probably uh, mounting nuts on the bottom side. So you yeah. have to basically go through a floor plate or floorboard to get into them. Um, yeah, I think they're nice looking pedals. Good price point. Um, it'd be... Uh, be nice to see some of the entry level stuff get this trickle down of technology and uh, kind of make sim racing better as a whole. Well, that price is about what fifty dollars cheaper than the V3s, or did the V3s go up a lot? I don't know where they're at at this point. The ones that vibrate and all that. Yeah, when I bought them, they were three hundred, but that was I, a couple of years ago. I think they've gone up. Um, I know that's about what they were. Yeah, they are uh, three sixty now, but by the time you get the uh, the extra spring kit for it, and if you go with the hydraulic damper, you're going to be closer to the 400 price point. I don't think you need the damper, but I would 100% recommend uh, the spring mod kit. Um, so there's a there's a hundred dollar gap there. That's a uh, room for Thrustmaster to uh, thrive if they could keep that price point. Okay. Next up, uh, company review. Another new company we've never seen before. This one is GeForceFactory.com. And they sell sim uh, cockpits for flight or racing. And uh, their thing is the seat and pedals and everything are sitting on a thing that looks like a, an accordion, I guess is what it looks like. Uh, um, you know, like a musical instrument, a right? Motion rig. Yeah, it's a motion rig. And they got an accordion looking uh, fabric or something on, the, uh, on each side that kind of hides the internals, I guess. Uh, but that accordion fabric stuff allows the movement, right, to, for it to go up and down and that kind of thing. So kind of a different design we haven't seen. The other thing is it's kind of condensed. It's like a, uh, on a square. You know, they got the seat uh, on the square, and then the pedals are almost hanging off of the square because the square is so small. It looks, yeah, it looks like it almost takes up less space than, than my non-monitored uh, Simlabs rig. It's very compact, very, and that's a that's a good presentation on that on that rig. It, it's all nice and neat and organized. My concern is the steering wheel deck and the mounts that hold it and stuff. I mean, they're they're metal, but they're not like eighty twenty metal. And I just wonder if there's flex there. Yeah, that could be a that that it's just a platform hanging out there, right? Yeah, and I, I mentioned uh, my Fanatec and my Obutto Revolution cockpit. It's a real thin piece of metal that I have it mounted to, and there is some flex. If I lift on the wheel or pull down on the wheel, it will move uh, a few millimeters each way, and that's kind of annoying, and it kind of makes me want to get an eighty twenty rig to not have that move at all, but uh, first world problems, right? Uh, you better sell that video card first. Uh, I didn't see a price. Oh, yeah, it said starting at 8,000 euros for this thing. So uh, pricing, I'm not impressed. I haven't seen any videos yet of it. But, uh, yeah, we can do better on pricing. They're out of Netherlands. All right. And then finally, God, nobody will buy my video card. Last night, I had a local guy contact me through Facebook Marketplace. Uh, I have it for sale for 450 He said, hey, will you take 400 I said, yeah. He's like, all right, I'll be there. Where do we want to meet? I said, Circle K by my house. 
He said, I'll be there in 20 minutes. I'm on the way. And then I never heard from him again. So somebody, some listener, please, please buy my video card. I'm going to lower the price on this show to $400 shipped. So if you want it, it's yours. It is in perfect condition. It works. It just came off the bench uh, from the manufacturer and it works. So buy yourself a 1080 Ti, guys. 400 bucks. All right, let's talk results. Uh, let's see. I ran hosted and uh, I've had some strange, I don't know if it's strange luck, but I've been running Daytona Pickup Cup and Daytona Carb Cup. And guess what, guys? I've had four in a row wins in the last few days. In fact, right before this recording, I tried to get my fifth win in a row. And I had a, I was on the grid. I got the pole. I was on the grid and I couldn't shift into first because I heard the USB disconnect sound. And somehow my wheels screwed up and I had to actually reboot and leave the race. Uh, so I don't know what's wrong with my wheel, but uh, I didn't start the race. So I'm not going to count that as my fifth attempt. I think tonight I'll try it again and try to get five in a row. Um, That's pretty crazy. Greg and I both did go ahead and run Watkins Glen Monday in the winter series. That was his first time back in a, in a while. He's been He's been under the weather for quite a few weeks. Uh, we both raked out. Uh, I don't remember why he did. I just got loose. Um, it's it's one of those one of those things that's been a disadvantage for me in the series is that yeah those those guys are beasts and they're way better than me. But um, also almost every like on all the NIS stuff, I run two or three A opens as my practice. Whereas here, I basically showed up and ran the fifteen minute practice, and that's probably not enough practice to to really get good at it and. I pushed it too hard coming off of turn one and spun it into the wall. And a tough break for Greg. I mean, I think it was his first time back in a month, I think, in the car. Uh, I think, Will, you might have told him that the brake pedal's in the middle. I mean, just so he wouldn't forget. But <laughs> anyway, I was watching his stream, and uh, yeah, he was coming up through the S's and uh, or through the, uh, uh, what turn two, three there, where it gets all narrow up onto the backstretch. But anyway, uh, it just came out from underneath him, and it turned him right into the nose into the wall. And I don't think he could have saved it, but I don't know what what went wrong there. Uh, he caught the curb wrong or something. Yeah, those sets that set with that tire seven model or V seven tire was uh definitely on the slippery side, especially spent an entire weekend running the 24 with all the downforce yeah all right that's it let's get into final thoughts david hall um watch my slash mix me getting a lot of good interaction starting to have regulars and have some fun conversations especially when i'm on the road i have straight away and easily have chats with yes absolutely i'm loving the stream in fact we're streaming this recording right now We've had some listener interactions, thanks to Chris Overland for uh, uh, the the question, uh, for Justin Melillo, our special guest who came on, and then Jason Pablo Escobar said, uh, "Good day from down under, fellas. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work." So, uh, uh, howdy to you out there, Jason. I uh, hope you guys are doing good in the fires out there. Uh, Will Gibson, final thoughts. Uh, I just want to do a quick shout out to uh, another Twitch stream, uh, Battery Acid ninety four. Um, I uh been kind of sick the last few weeks and I've been off iRacing but my dad's been on and uh somebody posted their Twitch in the iRacing chat and so my dad sent me a picture and said hey I'm racing 
Um, so I watched uh, one of my dad's races, the uh, IndyCar Fixed at Talladega this week, through this other guy's stream, and uh, very entertaining to watch. Um, at one point, my dad does a pretty stupid block, and uh, someone gets on chat and kind of calls him out on it. Uh, I never showed him how to turn chat on, uh, so he couldn't hear it, but I could hear it through this other guy's stream, so I clipped that, and at one point, the main driver uh, said, that, that blue car up there is going to cause a big wreck, and... Uh, he didn't. Um, my dad was in the blue car, but uh, watched him finish second from another person's point of view. And uh, I sent him those clips of like, hey, man, you got to ease up a little bit. But his attitude is, hey, man, I'm racing. So uh, his I rating is now within about 100 of mine. So I need to uh, get up on the wheel and start grinding. I know I plan on trying to get a start every week in NIS and try to gain my I rating that way. And I'm going to try to get some starts at the Silverstone National in the K&N car tomorrow. And uh, try to get on that grind for a little bit. Can't have him catch me. I think you need to get him going on chat, man. Let him tell those guys what he thinks. Ah, uh, he'll get kicked out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he he's not too bad. Uh, he was like when I sent him the clip, he's like, I only blocked him going up, and uh, he kind of drifts the guy to the wall. Then the guy goes to pass him on the inside of the back straight, and my dad drifts right back down. And I don't think he realized he was there. Um, they did do a zero x contact, but it. It's just funny watching from somebody else's point of view. Um, if I was the guy streaming, I would have thought that blue car was going to wreck too. So uh, it's just entertaining, uh, fun to watch a race from a different point of view. Uh, yeah, my final thoughts. Thanks to Justin Melillo for coming on. Uh, again, he provides us so much uh, content regarding the eNASCAR series and what happens. And he's always the first to report breaking news who's joining what team and that kind of thing. He's all over it, and he is definitely the go-to source. So we're so happy to have him on to talk about it. Uh, we did run a little long today, and I thought it was worth it to have him stay a little bit longer and, t and go over that stuff with us. So uh, thank you to him. Uh, next week, we're already booked with James Pike. Uh, he's been on the show before. Uh, he is the announcer over at Podium Esports, and uh, he does the play-by-play. Uh, he's going to be here to tell us about what's going on with his Daytona 500 with Podium Esports. That's probably the most popular uh, 500 going on uh, outside of the official racing. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, excited about prospects of the team and what we're going to accomplish this year uh, with the Road to Pro. We got a couple guys, maybe three, uh, that are going to run that that have the right kind of I rating to be, probably make a, sh a difference. And uh, we're going to get behind them. And feels like we have good momentum. Man, I've had four wins in a row. How about that? My confidence can't be higher for Daytona 500. I'm just ready, ready, ready. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to get as many starts as I can. And I'm going to win that baby. So with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.